0: Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy
2: Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans?
0: Ballsy starts now.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Joined by Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. Hello, Kevin and David. And there's David Moore. Hi, David. Hello, Evan and Kevin. You know, we've been doing this on Zoom uh, with uh, our pal
2: Jose Rodriguez uh, producing, and I think it's just gone swimmingly, don't y'all? Yeah, especially on your end. (laughs) They're never... There never any technical issues from the Sherrington household.
1: Oh, no, no. You know, let me just say
2: this for DirecTV. (laughs) Okay, okay. A shout out to DirecTV (laughs) for their
1: fine fine Wi-Fi that they didn't tell us about that, that uh, the broadband speed would be cut in half (laughs) when we switched over. So, yeah, it's been really good. We need to figure this out. But anyway. (laughs) uh so boys we want to talk about the 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 old Cowboys schedule came out you know that's always an interesting thing to me i have to tell you i have to admit the 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 annual release of the schedule has never been a big deal to me you know they're gonna you're gonna have to play 16 games or at least we think they're gonna play 16 games so i i I never really cared that much but i know that cowboys fans you did
2: not watch the three-hour programming (laughs) spectacular (laughs) addressing the schedule last night
1: (laughs) yeah i tell you i I just i'm just blown away by it you know it's like wow people just get so excited about it but i you know i don't know maybe it's maybe it is a big deal what do i know uh but one of the one of the uh david you if you would explain to us uh a, a development that might crop up here if we have some issues kicking off the old uh nfl season which uh sounds like we possibly could and and what the nfl as kind of done as a fallback position.
2: Yeah. And uh first let's say that the that the Cowboys are slated to open the season in Los Angeles on Sunday night, September 13th, unless they don't. <laughs> and that's and that's what this schedule is. And um you know th- this is the NFL plunging ahead to try to introduce some certainty into a clearly uncertain situation, while acknowledging, so So now they assign dates, and the Cowboys and every other team have a schedule, but there are no assurances that all of those games will be played, or that those games will be played before fans, and that fans will be able to who look at this schedule every year to kind of say, oh, well, look, I'm going to try to go to this road game. Let me make my uh, plans, and uh, the family will go do that. That'll be our a mini vacation this year. Uh, those things are going to be much more problematic going forward. And and when you look at this, what the league has done is they, it was it's a traditional 17 game schedule, uh, 17 week schedule, one by week. So it follows the same format. Um, you know, it it still has significant or marquee games spread throughout the contract. It's not like they're concentrated in in one part of the schedule. Uh, They're throughout. So you have them paced throughout the season. The the only uh, transparent concession that the league made is they canceled all of their international games. So teams won't be playing in London. And there is one game scheduled for Mexico City this year uh, that has been removed from the schedule. So there's no international travel this year. And on the surface, that's the only concession. But. If you look at it, the first, and you know, there are rumblings uh, from people in the league saying, well, once the schedule comes out, you can see how uh, it is prepared to, to give some flexibility. And that flexibility is that every team in the league through the first four weeks of the season will play two home games and two road games. So if the start of the season is delayed, um, and you can't play those games, and you and you reduce it to a 12-game season. Every team in the league will still have six home and six road games. So they're trying to retain as much competitive equivalency as they can. And as we'll talk about, there there's still some discrepancies in there. But um, but the the first four weeks of the season is designed to cut, and it can either be canceled completely and you reduce down to a 12 or 14-game season. Or you can tack on to the end of the, dece- of the season and play it out. There's still room in there for it to breathe. So uh, think of that first four games as kind of a, a movable or disposable segment of the schedule. Um, you know, That being said, some teams have division games in there. Some don't. So now you're going to have unequal division uh, encounters. Uh, the Cowboys don't face a don't have a division game until Week Five, uh, but Philadelphia and Washington open in Week One, so there there will be some discrepancies that way, but there's no way you could plan for all the eventualities, and and this doesn't even plan for the fact that what if you start the season on time, and the second wave comes with flu season in late October, early November, uh, and, and it alters the schedule at that point, so. Uh, they're trying to deal with as many unknowns as they can, but you can only you can only plan through so many contingencies.
1: yeah I, I don't understand uh, the, the thing that kind of flummoxes uh, me in all this is uh, if you know, this makes perfect sense to have these first four games uh, that you could just remove if you needed to and and that's and that's a really good idea. But then you screw the whole thing up by saying, all right, but well, we're going to have Washington and Philadelphia play in the first game of the season.
0: I uh, disagree
1: with that. You disagree with that. Why do you disagree, Evan?
0: Well, because I think – I mean, I, I go from the same perspective that baseball is coming from. Um, there's a very strong possibility that this season is going to look unlike anything that we've ever seen. And if you can't get all of the division games in into that last – 13-week span. Um, so you don't have the, the full slate of balanced division play this year. Um, and that's it. It's, it's, it. We're going to have to plan for some potential changes to everything that we have become used to. And if the NFL goes to a 12-game schedule and not every team can play uh, a full divisional um, schedule, Maybe they will just go with an AFC and an NFC and have an enlarged playoff uh, roster. Uh, There's ways to work around that. And, again, what I'm finding throughout baseball, and I think the baseball approach to this, is if you get baseball on a field and you can do it safely, people will work with whatever the schedule ends up being. I think the same applies to the NFL here. If you can give them a 12-game NFL season, they'll take it at this point.
1: Well, of course, you're wrong, Evan, Uh, because uh, because here's the thing, unless unless Washington and Philadelphia are playing other NFC teams that would allow them to have a full complement of NFC games, because that's what we would have to have. uh, Yes, you could get rid of the divisions for one season if that's what you had to do. But you still have to be able to play enough games in your conference at least, unless you're just going to say, we're just going to have the NFL. We're not going to have conferences, and everybody's just in one big league. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, that requires a, suspending a, a lot of things here. and I don't know, you know I, I don't know all the algorithms of having to figure out uh, a schedule. Uh, I, right. I wouldn't think it'd be as hard in the NFL as it is in the NBA, NHL uh, you know,
0: MLB. Uh, I would also say this to you, Kevin, too. Just be aware if we, if we play baseball and it starts on July fourth, yeah, uh, teams aren't gonna be picking up the schedule as it was as it was made. Uh there will be an all new schedule. And if you're gonna play the NFL season and you're not and, and at that point in time you're not gonna play it in front of fans, you can release a new schedule because there's gonna be no there's gonna be no tickets to buy. It's it's simply gonna be a matter of of team travel, so mm-hmm. there, I think there's going to be lots of flexibility. And maybe if you do go to a 12-team schedule, a 12-team schedule, um, a 12-game schedule rather, you do just move all of that. You you remake the schedule with an emphasis on just the interdivi- the divisional play.
2: You do realize you use the word flexible and NFL in the same sentence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it is like. Um, Having watched everything in the sport that I cover take place for the last seven weeks, and watching the NFL, it is like you've got the whole world in complete lockdown, and then you've got the NFL, which just like cockroaches, they just continue to march on. They they are unimpeded. So did you, did you call them cockroaches? Yes, I did.
2: <laughs> just, did. Did you get that pronunciation from Scarface? Is yes. that? Say hello to my little friend.
1: You know that the, I notice they run, they run Scarface like every week now. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I, I don't know, I don't know what that means. I don't know how classic. they decide this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it was one of my favorites. But anyway. Uh... Well, I, 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 I do think that uh this will be very interesting to, to to watch this schedule develop. Let's say it plays out as it is. Let's say it all happens.
2: Sure. Oh Mr. Pie in the sky. Oh, okay, yeah. It's gonna go it's off with, exactly as it was released last night.
1: Well, I'm just but saying the, we,
2: Because the we, NFL has no, Supreme I, I, Powers I, I, of Listen China. I don't
1: I don't think that anything's ever gonna come off as it was supposed to again. Nothing. Nothing will ever come back the way it was. But let's say that it did.
0: If the NFL could make that draft come off the way they made it come off in that short period of time, they can rework the schedule with two months' lead time. <laughs> as long They can. That
2: doesn't mean they would.
0: That's yeah. true. As, as long <laughs> There's as an Roger arrogance can...
2: and to say, we already thought this through. We did it. We're sticking. You know, this is, Everyone conforms to us. We don't conform to the time of coronavirus.
1: As long as Roger Goodell is not emceeing whatever they do, I'm all for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so anyway, we look at this schedule, David. Tell us, uh, tell us, what about uh, the the October schedule was striking to you for the Cowboys?
2: Okay, Mister Sunshine. On this, the schedule is going to come off completely as it is. But no, it's uh, to to me. Look, this this is set up for a fast start for this team if if this season gets underway. When it's scheduled to get underway on September thirteenth, uh, you you look at the first seven games, uh, which is what they play in the first two months of the season, September October. Only two of those, only two teams they face in the first seven games had a winning record last year. And if you want to break it down even more, if you look at the month of October, they they have. Well, first of all, if they start October with three home games in a row. Now, this is a team last year that didn't have back-to-back home games at all, and uh, so they have three home games to start the month, uh, versus Cleveland, versus the New York Giants, and then a Monday night game against the Arizona Cardinals, which is significant because Kyler Murray, I think, won three state championships at AT AT&T Stadium when he was with Allen, And, and then they finished the month, their only road game is at Washington. Well, the combined record of those four teams last year was 18, 45, and 1. So this is set up for them to have a fast start. Now, where the pendulum swings is December. And, And they do have a game in Cincinnati against Joe Burrow, which is going to be more interesting than challenging, I would argue. But the other games they have in December are the Ravens, the 49ers, and then their final meeting with the Eagles and those three teams had a combined record of 36 and 12 or a winning percentage of seven fifty. so this team's going to need to get off to a fast start uh then manage it and then come out of uh, december uh, as well as they can with that schedule but it but it does look o- overall the schedule i think their opponents um and i'm not counting the division opponents twice i'm only counting their schedule their records once in this so the their Overall opponent's schedule or strength of schedule last year, they were 101, 106, and one. So that's a winning percentage of 485. So that's much, a much more accommodating schedule than what they had last year. It, it was over, I think, 511 last year.
1: This is all true, but as we know, the NFL is a year to year league. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure that everybody right now is looking at the Cowboys and thinking, hey, that's not a winning, that wasn't a winning club last year. That was just an 8 and 18 team. So, exactly. uh, you know I, I look at those first three games, and i see I see three games that could be really tough for them. Uh, I, I could see the the rams being a problem. I could see. I can see the Falcons here uh, being a problem, and of course, uh, in Seattle, that's never a fun place to play. No. So, uh, so they they could uh, unless they if you could... have no
2: fans, and then it could be a different have a different field. Well, team.
1: that's a, that's a great point. I, I I said that and just forgot all about that. So yeah, I, I don't know
0: that uh, that playing in that stadium. Is now, a I don't know what field. home field advantage is going to be this year, right? I, I don't yeah. know that there's there is going to be any home field advantage. I, I agree with you that those first three games can go either way. I I expect them to come out of that two and one, they're going to lose one of those. I just feel like you're going to lose one of those road games to the West Coast, on the West Coast, whether it's – and, you know, it would, I think the Rams game would be a lot more up in the air if it was the city of Los Angeles breaking in that, that gorgeous new stadium for all its fans, and they had a huge crowd and all the pageantry. But maybe in an empty stadium, uh, there isn't anything really that could, that could or will go wrong
1: you know those and uh, and here's the other thing too and i know that people didn't really talk about this much but did, did any coach rise any faster and fall any faster than sean McVay? you know over the last couple of years i mean this is a guy that was the boy genius with the photographic memory and everything he was doing was just great and they and they and then they brought in all these players and they tried some things and i and i wrote about this and then i said is this the new way to go i mean they're spending a lot of money on some of these players that they're bringing in, spending a lot of, of high draft picks, and they're spending a lot of money on them, and now it all seems to be falling apart on them. Uh, you know, Todd Gurley's not no longer there. Uh, you know, they they they. Where is they, Todd Gurley now, Kevin? Todd Gurley's playing for your uh, uh, your Falcons, I believe.
2: Thank you, very Cowboys. Much. will see him in week two. Yeah, at AT and T Stadium.
1: Well, that's if he's playing. He never plays. He's always hurt. So, I don't, I don't know why. Really,
0: his degenerative knee is kind of a, kind of an issue there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, I, I do think that, that uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what Sean McVay is able to do uh, this year to, to kind of resurrect the Rams. They, they, I was never a huge fan of – well, I'll take this back. When Jared Goff was in college, I was a big fan of him. I thought this guy was really going to be a good pro quarterback. Uh, then after he had such a slow start to his NFL career, I backed up on that and then Sean McVay came in and did wonders for his career. Uh, but even, even at that, even when the Cowboys played the Rams and lost to them, uh, I, it wasn't because of Jerry golf. It was because of the running game and because of the way that Sean McVay could draw up an offense. You know, I, I was, I was pretty dazzled by, by what Sean McVay could do at that point. Um, now it's not looking so good. So I, I'm Everyone not was
2: dazzled out. until that Super Bowl against New England where they got nothing in the passing game. Right. And last year was just a very strange year for them uh, offensively. But, again, not uncommon. Like uh, you, you look at the pattern on young teams in the NFL in recent years. It's uh, You say it's like, you know, every year is different. I mean, there are a lot of teams that fall in this every other year category, and some of that is the scheduling. I mean, they'll win a division – have a tougher, you know, have a tougher schedule the next year. Fall back down, and then bob back up the year after that when they finish second or third and have an easier schedule to face. Uh, the Cowboys have certainly been in every other team for about twelve years now, so uh, uh, you know I don't think they're alone in that. But uh, the the Rams have, have have kind of fit that model early. That being said, this would be the other year. This would be the year that you would expect them to come back up if the talent's there but they're they're a much different team offensively than what they were you know last going into last season
1: I, I agree with Evan. if they come out of these first three weeks uh, with a two and one record, uh, I, I think that's pretty good. I, oh, I, I yeah. would certainly take that uh, well, especially
2: I, with that October where they should they should win all four of those games mm-hmm. now worst case scenario is three and one, so now suddenly you're off to a five and two or a six and one start so that that is how this is setting up. If they can go two and one in September, uh, they should run the table in October. But at the very least, they should go three and one uh, if if they're anything close to the team that we think they are. So uh, that that gives them a, a very favorable cushion going into uh, the meat of their schedule. Now they did
1: start fairly well last year. Uh, it was the it was at three the three zero, yeah. yeah. And this end of the season when they, when they fizzled. David, what, uh, have you ever – have you had thoughts about, uh, looking back on it now, why you feel like the offense sputtered so much at the end
2: of the year? You know, again, they were they, – they were first in the league in yardage gained. Uh, so they're the number one team in offensive yards. Uh, they were number six in scoring. But they had four games where they were held to 15 points or less. And to me, this gets to um, somewhere weather played a factor in some. The New England game, which was in a monsoon, uh, I think certainly uh, was a factor beyond just the play calling. Um, But I I think this is where you saw Kellen Moore's inexperience as a play caller. I I think that there uh, were games where what he did make perfect sense. And then other games, it was like, well, why – why are you abandoning the run here? Why they, you, you just never got a, a, a consistent feel for what they were offensively. And as as explosive as they were, they weren't efficient. And um, I've talked to some players, too, and, and they don't want to go public with it. But they just felt there was an inconsistency in the play calling and the approach last year. Having said that, they love Kellen Moore. They think he has a tremendous upside. Uh, but they thought there were times where his inexperience showed and that uh, maybe Jason Garrett should have exerted a little bit more control over the situation and went, well, no, this is what we need to do uh, in this game. So I think that's why you've seen a change in the coaching staff. But again, it's very telling that Kellen Moore is still here. Uh, Mike McCarthy will let Kellen Moore call the games, but he's going to have a stronger presence, I think, during the game than Jason Garrett did. Jason Garrett felt, okay, my my input is during the week. We put the plan together. I don't want to be intrusive on game day. I want him, I want Kellen or whoever's calling plays uh, to have the latitude and be empowered to call the game they want to play. It's not for me to insert myself randomly throughout the process. I think Mike McCarthy has no problem with that. I think he's going to say, uh, look, you know, Kellen, I know we talked about this, but I think we need to do this here. So, so call the game to fit that. I, I think there will be more interaction uh, is what I'm saying than, than, there has, than there was last year.
1: Evan, uh, what do you think about – because that's, that, that's a very interesting uh, topic to me about what – what especially if the head coach was an offensive coach and, uh, and as Jason Garrett's position was a former offensive coordinator. How do you feel about the head coach – having uh the the veto power in 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 those types of situations
0: in play calling situations yes yeah i i mean i feel like my approach on this has always been if if you're going to give coordinator play calling duties which you should because being an nfl head coach is so over not i don't want to say overwhelming but so all-encompassing that I don't think you're able to give your best to the job. Then you also have to give them the latitude to to call their plays, make their decisions, and you live with them. Um, If you don't have trust in your coordinator, then change out your coordinator. But that's something that you and the coordinator should have uh, pretty much planned out your contingencies for, planned out all your things, and been in agreement before a game starts.
2: But, David, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it. It comes down to your personality and the consistency of it too. I mean, I, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's it's a good system to say, okay, you call the plays, but I'm going to insert myself whenever I think it's necessary if it's in a random sort of situation. I you know I don't think it's fair to say like okay well you call the you know you call the plays for this for the first three and a half games and now suddenly in game four in the third quarter you go you nah you know I'm going to take this over here even though that's your that's right I
0: feel a lack of confidence right there yeah yeah,
2: yeah I, but but I think I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that look I want to have a brief discussion with you about every offensive possession what are you doing here uh you know we talked about this are you going to run these plays. Uh, I think you should run these plays here. And I think McCarthy is going to be more hands-on with that. He he won't be calling the specific plays, but I think him and Kellen Moore will talk before, uh, and it can be a brief conversation. This is where you have to be on the same page and, and working together. This is where you develop this kind of rapport in the offseason when you're working through, okay, what plays do we call? What situations do we use them in and all this? But, no, I think – I don't think a head coach should be so hands-off that he just goes, uh, that he never talks to the offensive coordinator during the game and just says, hey, run whatever you want here. No, Um,
0: I think there there obviously should be discussion, right? I mean, the the coordinator says, this is what I'm planning to do here. Again, if you have a brief conversation whenever, before possession, that's one thing. Um, But not
2: micromanaging, not saying call these specific plays in this order right now. Now, a time or two, you may say, you can pretty strongly say, I think we should do these right now because of where we are in the game. And I think those conversations go on quite a bit. Um, That's
0: part of a relationship. That's part sure. of a working relationship. Yeah, but see, here's, here's
1: my issue with all that, because I I don't have as big a problem with the the head coach, because he's the head coach. You know, you, you say, no, uh, in this situation, I think we need to do this. Uh, because here's, here's the issue with a guy like Kellen Moore, who – who, as we know, a really nice guy, you know, and um, r- really smart guy, and I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, I, I don't, I don't perceive him, and I could be wrong. I don't perceive him as a real cocky guy. I don't perceive not him at as, all. No. no, not at all. And and, and so, uh, I can see him thinking, you know, what I'd like to do this, but I know that Jason wants to do this. Well,
2: and, in fact, I, I would, say, yeah. I, I would
1: perceive, I mean, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna just say. Jason, you do that, or we're going to run this play instead. And so that's what I want to know. I want to know in these kind of situations. Like, and he's a he's a defensive guy, but but Greg Williams is going to do whatever he wants to do. He he didn't care what a head coach wants. You know, Greg Greg Williams is is a is a nut, and he's going to he's an arrogant enough that he'll do whatever he wants to do in any situation. Doesn't matter what the head coach thinks. Uh, a guy like Kellen Moore is not like that. i I'd, I'd like to know like last year how much of what the play calling was done was what he thought he wanted to do or what he thought Jason wanted to do. And maybe he was at cross purposes with that at times. Um, and, and you could certainly see that happening with a kid who's a, who's a nice guy like he is and, and, and a guy who wants to do what the head coach wants.
2: Well, look, look at where you are in your career, too. I mean, this is a yeah. guy in his first year as a coordinator – uh, when no one else in the league would have given him that position. Um, and he, you're going to defer. When you're your first year in a job, I would say, by and large, you're going to defer to the head coach. If you do not, you come across as an arrogant a-hole, and it's going to impact your career because it's like, well, who are you to stand up? You know, that's not to say you don't stand up to the people you're reporting to. They respect that, but only to a point. I love when people say, well, I want people around me who tell me exactly what they think. Yeah. Well, yeah, do you really? Because I've known some people who tell you exactly what they think, and you have no use for them. So you still have to tell it in the right way. And, and so I, I think Kellen Moore defers by nature because of where he was in his career, first year as a coordinator. Two, I think that is his personality. And I think, you know, in some respect – I think that hurt him with the players some. I think he his lack of presence with the players, even though he was a player himself, um, led them to kind of, you know, not – I don't want to say fully serious. in his corner. And, and, yeah, I mean, they respect him, but it's not like they rallied around him or anything like that. And, and not everybody has that quality. I mean, you have to go with what your personality is. Um, but, no, so I, I think there – I think what you saw last year was, I guess – the the problem in my mind with the Cowboys' offense was the 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 run and the pass never complemented or enhanced the other. If they were running well, it usually came at the expense of the pass. If they were passing well, it came at the expense of the run game. It wasn't it wasn't completely orchestrated, mm-hmm. and I think the inex- inexperience in play calling. Led to that to some extent.
0: Evan, I, listen, I, I mean, there's a there's a really fine line in all of this. David brings up great points. You bring up nothing really, Kevin. I'm oh, um, sorry. Yeah, but I, I mean, if you've got a coordinator that's trying to please the head coach, that's not necessarily where I want his head at. I want the coordinator to be to have strong belief in, in what he's calling that that's the right play, not the right, not the play that the the, the head coach wants. Um, but in the real world, you would like to hope that their, their brains are thinking along the same lines, right? Um, that's why you've hired him. You want him to instill your philosophy. Uh, and, and, and there are going to be, you know, there are going to be situations where there's, there's got to be some give and take and, and some input. But I think, by and large, if the head coach just decides to cherry pick, no, 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 we're going to do this here or we're going to do that here, you immediately cut off your coordinator um, from having that kind of relationship with his players, where the players believe in him. You, you cut off the coordinator from having confidence in his own play-calling abilities, uh, and I, I think it just leads to, to some degree of paralysis of, of the offense.
2: And there's so much nuance here. I mean, look, we're talking about, let's say, and I believe this would be true. Let's say like Jason Garrett and, and Kellen Moore were on the same page 90, 95% of the time last year, and what should be called, and the sequencing of the calls. Um, okay, now break it down. You're running anywhere from 60 to 68 plays a game. So, what, now suddenly – five, six, seven, eight plays a game, you're not on the same page yet. Those are usually the ones that decide the flow of the game and who wins the game. So, um, you know, it's, you need to be on the same page as close to 100% as you can, but recognizing that's never going to be the case because every single play caller would have different sequencing in going into a you know, into in a certain possession. Because it's not just that individual play. It's what it, what came before it and what's going to come after it. And what are you trying to set up? When are you trying to set it up at what part of the game? And, and I do think sometimes play callers can out, outsmart themselves by, by making it too involved. Um, but like I said, I don't think that was Kellen problem last year. I, I thought Kellen was very creative. I thought he was very good. I, I just think that why would you expect him – to be at his best in his first year as a play caller. Wouldn't you expect him to be better this year? Now, especially since he's going to study with someone who has a different offensive philosophy that I would argue is probably a little bit more aligned with his than what Jason Garrett's was. Um, Jason Garrett was very much of this is our system. These are the plays we run within our system. Um, We don't care if people know them. Um, we're just going to out-execute, and that's going to set up other things in this offense. I I think Kellen Moore uh, certainly comes from, no, let's be a little bit more creative here, And and Mike McCarthy's the same way. To me, the question is, how is the run game going to be incorporated? Because you haven't really seen that much in Mike McCarthy's offense through the years, but he's never had a back as talented as Ezekiel Elliott either.
1: Uh, you know, I have to say, I, I, I think that uh, that Kellen's going to be on a short leash this, this year. I mean, it was surprising that, that Mike kept him on as office offensive coordinator because Mike called his own plays in Green Bay. Uh, and so I, I think that there was probably a concession on his part here that Jerry went to him and said, hey, we really like Kellen Moore. You do whatever you want to do, but we really like Kellen Moore. And, uh, and, so he, and so it's the same thing. Mike's the new guy, and he wants to impress his boss. And he says, okay, all right, I can work with him. And we'll see how this all all this goes, but you know how it is. In, in times of stress, we always revert back to who we are. Uh, and Mike McCarthy has been his own offensive coordinator and done that kind of thing. If things are are starting to go poorly, I could certainly see him saying, "You know what, Kellen, I'm gonna we're gonna ease back on this a little bit here, and I'm gonna take the throttle." Uh, I, I just I just feel like this is going to be uh, an interesting development about how all this goes, uh, and, and because in a lot of what you just talked about is the fact that. They were, they were not a running team in Green Bay. No, they did not have a player like that. Uh, and it was, you know, frustrating at times to watch the Cowboys. It was, it, at times it felt like I was watching, you know, uh, Texas or Nebraska from the 60s. You know, this is what we do. Uh, see if you can beat this. You know, um, that's a frustrating thing in today's NFL. Uh, yeah. uh, there's not that much difference between the, the talent levels.
0: I think that um, the one thing we have overlooked here and and let's call this as it is, we all know that that NFL head coaches are very, very flexible that they they don't they don't have any kind of power um, uh, control freak type element to them whatsoever um, and they all share power very, very well with people so um I, I expect that this will work well. Um, look the the bottom line on all this is coaching still comes down to relationships whether you're coaching up or whether you're coaching down and it's it's important for McCarthy and Kellen Moore to make this work or otherwise this offense isn't going to uh operate at maximum efficiency this year and so they need to spend these next couple of months working on their relationship and getting on the same page and understanding one another a little bit more otherwise it's going to be awkward and it's going to it 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 has the ability to become uh a real impediment for the way this offense functions all right boys let's let's wrap it up here but before we wrap it up i'm going to
1: ask y'all to go through the schedule here look at it real real quick i'll give you oh i don't know six seconds and uh and tell me what the cowboys record is going to be next year If y'all if I'll go first, if you guys uh, need a little bit of time here, Uh, I've already said through my my brilliant uh, rookie starter formula that I'm projecting the Cowboys will win at least two more games than they they did last year. And I'm going to say three. I'm going to say that the Cowboys are going to go if they play 16 games I'll be Mr. Sunshine here and the season goes off without a hitch, without any fans, of course, but without a hitch. I'm gonna say eleven and five.
0: Who who's going next, Kevin? Uh Evan, you go next since you're speaking up. All right. Well, I um I've got them at eleven and five in a sixteen game schedule, and I'll go a little bit further with you. They will lose one of those first three games. Uh not calling each yeah. one, but they'll lose one of them. They will lose one of the back to back um Road games uh, in the division to either Washington or Philadelphia, they will lose at Minnesota, they will lose at Baltimore, and they will lose at home against San Francisco. So those are their five losses.
2: David, oh well, fifteen and one. Why not? Now <laughs> I've got to top you guys. No, I. You know, it's uh, again, there are so many unknowns. But what? But when you look at what McCarthy should bring this offense. The fact this has been an every other year team, uh, and and some of that is because I think the talent's just so close. I think there's a motivation of when you get knocked down of wanting to prove that. Well, no, I'm where that team from two years ago, not from last year. And you've seen that with with Dak Prescott in this group to this point. Uh, I, I would. I hate to agree with both of you and Calvin Watkins, who also went with eleven and five in the morning news today, but. Uh, I think eleven and five is, is a realistic expectation for this team at this moment.
1: I do too. And so uh well we didn't say how so how far are they gonna go in the playoffs? Is this going is this team gonna go to, get to the NFC championship game or not?
2: Sure. Oh, I and if love not, your, and if if not, that conviction. There and if go. not, we should criticize them, right? Yes,
1: that's right. We're holding these guys to
0: standards, Evan. Well, I you know, I'm just trying to run through my head in my mind right now. I feel like um <clears throat> I feel like San Francisco um perhaps New Orleans and perhaps Minnesota are all better teams than the Cowboys. Um
1: I wouldn't I I, I disagree with the Vikings. And you, and, and at this point I I'm I'm wondering this this may be Drew Brees last year Cowboys didn't even play Drew Brees last year. Um, I don't and they know, lost. and and they lost anyway. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I do think that the I do think that the the 49ers are certainly a better defensive team than the Cowboys. I just I, I'm not a big believer in Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so I, I, Kevin,
0: I, I mean, in your in your mind, are they one of the two best teams in the in the NFC? The Cowboys. Yeah, I certainly
1: I certainly think they are on a talent level. You know, that was – and to me, that this is why Jason Carrick got fired. I think that's what Jerry Jones thinks is that, listen, we got a lot of talent here. We got a lot of Pro Bowls we're stacking up here, and we're not – and we're 8-8? Eight and eight? How did that happen? I, you know, in my mind, I feel like that that, that – I would bet if Jerry were honest, I don't know if there would be a season in the last 20 that he was more disappointed in the Cowboys than, than last year uh the, I really think he thought this team and I think that he thought thinks that because I thought that if I'm thinking that the Cowboys are this good and they're this talented and it, and it's a young team and it you know and, and I know that the it, the numbers don't show that they were a young team I think that's skewed by a few things like J.P. Lattisor and those kind of ages kind of do drive up their totals a little bit and and, and actually they are Uh, probably a lot older team this year because of the age they brought into the defensive line. Uh, But I still think they're the the best players on this team are still in their mid twenties. Uh, And and this team should be going somewhere. Uh, And I, and I think that's what Mike McCarthy thinks. I think that's what Jerry thinks. I think this is a team that should get to the NFC championship game. And if they don't get to the NFC championship game, I will say that this uh, barring any, you know, great injuries. You know, losing a quarterback, whatever. Uh, I think that this that will be a failure if they don't get to the NFC Championship game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, just to rectify this. I, I mean, I, I I feel like in my mind, San Francisco, and I was not a big believer in San Francisco for much of last year, but I, I do feel like San Francisco enters the season as a better team, and, and it's not real much. It's not much of a stretch to say the defending Super Bowl participant is uh, is better than them. But I think you definitely have to put the Cowboys uh, a, a, upon a little bit further look. I, I think you have to put the Cowboys on the on the same level with the other teams that the, that I mentioned. I, I think that uh,
2: the challengers to San Francisco.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it still yeah. Comes down to this: can they win? A, can they win? You They're know, on that
2: next plateau with the challengers to San pl- Francisco going in. Yeah, and no, no, no question about
1: that. No question about that. And I know everybody always wants to put the Eagles there, and uh, and I, I got to tell you, I you know I, what the Eagles did in the off season, and I've I've always talked about what a great job Howie Roseman does, uh, but they they didn't improve themselves. I don't believe as much as the Cowboys did, uh, and and I and I'm still waiting for Carson Wentz to be what everybody thought he was going to be uh, going to the NFL. Uh, it, we we we're very big critics of Dak Prescott. I, I think. Uh, of the two guys, uh, which team has gotten the bigger bang for its buck? Uh, so,
2: and I'm not even talking about the salary issue. So, and Jared Goff, too. They yeah, all absolutely. came in together, same class. Right. So, Kevin, what you're saying is if the Cowboys don't get to the NFC championship game for the first time in 25 years, Mike McCarthy has been a huge failure in his first year as head coach. That of the is Cowboys. correct. That's what you're he's saying. Out.
1: He's out. As a new coach. Yeah. Yeah. I know that, 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 sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Uh, But you know, what the heck? It does, but that's
2: the situation he's come into because if we've talked about before, there's this disconnect. I mean, the Cowboys have like a top in the NFC. I think only Seattle has a better record than Dallas over the last six years, but all these other teams have taken advantage of their opportunity And gone to the NFC championship game and then gone forward. And it's been a period where a lot of different teams in the NFC have churned through and gone to the Super Bowl. And the Cowboys have been in that mix every other year, but they're the one team out of this cluster of teams that has not been able to capitalize on any individual season and build and get past the divisional round. So they're they're the outlier because as far as talent and regular season record and division titles, them in Seattle are at the top of the NFC over the last six years with Philly and some of the other – and New Orleans right after it. But they're the only team out of that group that has nothing to show for it beyond the divisional round.
1: Yeah. I think it's a great point what you say when you use the word seize the moment here, I, 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 and I don't think they, they ever did. I, I don't think – I think a little bit of that – and I, I don't want to lay too much at, at, at the feet of Jason Garrett because, uh, look, as we, oh, boy, as we
0: can't fight back
1: now, yeah, that's all. well, we always said he was a great coach from from Monday through Saturday, you know, and i and I think that was part of the issue. They did not see I think that that in some ways, Jason Garrett's we're just building on each day here. That approach is is good over the long haul uh, and and that's what you're just talking about they they have won a lot of games over the over the last six or seven years, but it is not. It is not good for the for that moment. It's like we got to rise to the challenge here, boys. This 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 is. And I'm not I'm not talking about making speeches. I'm saying no. that, that you that you get out there and you and you do seize this moment. I just think that's what eluded uh, Jason Garrett as a head. Well, coach seizing
2: the, the moment. In essence, you have to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. And part of Jason Garrett's approach was, what do you mean, rise to the occasion? You have to do this every single day. There's no rising to the occasion. This is what you do. These are the building blocks of success. You just keep building and building and grinding and going. That is success. It is not rising to the occasion. And so to me, there is a little bit of a, I think that factors in somewhat mentally in, in the approach. Because again, when they were in moments to rise to the occasion, Jason Garrett felt that, well, look, We've been trained in a way where the pressure won't hurt them here because they don't feel they have to do something now that they haven't done before. So they should be more comfortable performing the way they've done before, which would allow us to succeed. Well, that just never worked for them to the level that it needed to work.
1: Yeah, I think that comfort is, is what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that, that was the problem for me. I mean, I, I think if I, look, I look at the Eagles. Talk it's about a very rising. sound approach
2: he had. It just didn't work.
1: Well, uh, look, uh, talk about rising to the occasion. Look what the Eagles did, you know. Yeah. And, and, that, and, of course, you can go back to when the Giants won their two Super Bowls. Those were, those were two teams. And with Eli Manning's like, holy cow, th- those go were good. Those How did those teams get to the Super Bowl and win it? You Argu- know?
2: Arguably, those weren't their best regular season teams during that period.
1: No, not at all. At least one and, of them wasn't, yeah. Yeah, and, and then, and, but what do you have? You have – that was classic Eli Manning. You know, here was a guy who was a—he's a pretty good quarterback most of the time, but occasionally he would be tremendous. You know, and I, I think that's, that is what's going to have to happen with the Cowboys. They need—they need to—they need, to, need to realize, and I don't think that athletes always do this. I can—I always go back to when I was covering the University of Houston a million years ago, and they had a defensive tackle named T.J. Turner, who was a really good player from East Texas, and uh, went on and played for the Dolphins for several years, um, and. As I was talking to him one time, I, uh, it was his junior year going into his senior year, and I was asking him about what it was he wanted to be and how good he wanted to be because, you know, he was uh, physically, and this was back before they wanted defensive tackles to be so big, but he was a, a specimen. I mean, just tremendous. Um, and he said, you know, my mother always told me just be the best that I could be and be happy with that. And then as soon as he said that to me, I thought, Ugh, you're you're doomed. You're you're never gonna be the player that you thought you could be because your mother gave you an out. You know, your mother just said that that's good enough, TJ. If you think that's the best you can be, then that's good enough. And and that's what these players need to understand is that. And I, and I don't think players always do, especially young guys. And and I think that has been a little bit of the issue with the Cowboys that the older guys on the on these teams, the Jason Wets and the Sean Lees, really good players, really great role models, but they're not really the kind of guys that that hold these guys up and say, hey, you know, we got to be better than this, you know, and I think a lot of that comes from the players. So when I talked about Jason Garrett a while ago, I'm also talking about the players on this team. And, they, and there are some new defensive guys on the team, new older guys that, uh, that maybe have a little bit different uh, attitude and maybe can bring a little something different to this team because I think it needs it. I, I think there needs to be a little bit more accountability here uh, and, and, and on both sides of the ball. Uh, I, I don't. I don't really see that happen. I, I haven't seen it happen in the past. If, it, if the players aren't going to do it, then the coaches need to do it. I think in the past, I don't think anybody was doing it.
0: Yeah. Uh, are you done? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was nice. Yeah, I'm done, Evan. With that, uh, I mean, I when, once you go into Houston allegories, I just kind of like you tune out. Tune out for a little while.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry but, to bring up something that might be, you know. Intellectual or anything that might be something cause give you cause. Kevin, I
0: don't, I and and I say this as a graduate of Georgia State University. I don't know when anybody's ever accused the University of Houston of being intellectual.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. I said Ivan Mazel one time. He was making fun of me for my University of Houston background, uh, and of course, Ivan went to Stanford. And I said, let me let me just ask you this, Ivan. You went to Stanford, and you're a sports writer, and I went to Houston, and I'm a sports writer. Who got the biggest bang for their buck here, right? I mean, if I sent my kid to Stanford, and he came back a sports writer, I'm going to be greatly disappointed.
0: <laughs> There's no doubt. You, you, are, you, you should be proud of what you've, what you've achieved, because much like Eli Manning, most of the time you're an okay columnist, but occasionally you're just terrific.
1: I appreciate that evidence. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me.
0: Okay. i
1: that know. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, this was our, our Cowboys podcast. You know, boys uh, y'all may have to talk me into it. I'm, I'm on vacation next week. Gary says that I have to take next week off. They're going to pay me. I'm not being furloughed. Uh, but he just said, Hey, listen, we've had enough of this drivel that you've been putting out here for months now. And so you need to take a week off. And what, the way he phrased it was, the readers need, need to take a week <laughs> off
2: from this. I'm, I'm, I'm actually under a similar edict next week. I've been told to take next week off as well. <laughs> okay, and, so, I'm, and I'm not joking. <laughs> I, have been, I will be off next week. Right, well, oh, wow. I'll just
0: talk for 30 minutes. Uh, that's kind of right in my wheelhouse.
2: That's your dream anyway.
1: <laughs> Maybe next
0: week I'll just have a Rangers podcast and uh, actually get like a Rangers guest on.
2: Okay. Or you can interview yourself. Yeah, that'd be great one super. of my many
0: personalities <laughs> i have all right boys i have down evan
1: <laughs> well that's that's cool uh that'll do it for us then and if if we have a podcast next week we'll let everybody know thanks for tuning in thanks for tuning into our other podcasts this week uh check them out that's really good stuff uh we're, we're zooming here so uh <laughs> zooming. we appreciate it talk to y'all later bye Bye-bye. bye
2: Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be
0: sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter,
1: too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast.
2: Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.